All right. It is Tuesday on Daily Delivery. Happy to be back after an extra day off. Patrick Royce joins me as he typically does on Monday, but uh, both of us were traveling on Monday. So good, good timing. We coordinated that well, Patrick. You were coming back from Cooperstown. Um, where you were there for the Hall of Fame induction weekend. You wrote about that a lot, Star Tribune, startribune.com, the kind of the running diary of what was going on out there. And especially a lot about Tony Oliva. Um, I was at my grandma's 90th birthday party, so a much different weekend for both of us. But good good times had by all. Um, Patrick, if, was there like one... Was there one theme or any, any any overarching takeaway before we get into the big kind of specifics of, of what you experienced and, and witnessed um, at Cooperstown this weekend? Oh, I would guess the theme is that uh, two guys that uh, I think we always had hope for Tony, uh, but it was kind of a distant hope at times. And uh, and then and, and Jim Cott had kind of been uh, forgotten even as a candidate to a lot of people. And to uh, see these uh, two guys, basically the same age, Tony just turned 84, maybe today, I'd have to look up his birthday. Uh, and Jim, Jim's 83 and a half. And uh, to, to have them finally make it, two great twins, obviously Tony, Mr. Twin, really, when you consider that uh, he showed up here full-time in 64 and has never left. He's been in our presence ever since and then caught uh, being this big personality uh that pitched here for 12 and a half years and then went off and made quite a national name for himself both as a pitcher and as a, a broadcaster and right. who, uh, he's kind of been brought back in the camp here and they decided to uh, retire his number finally i i always i remember writing that when they retired Blylevin's number that uh jim cott's number should be retired before Blylevin's number but uh I think if you become a Hall of Famer and you got a strong Twins connection and you're wearing a Twins hat, we're going to uh, retire your number, and that's okay. But just, uh, just the, uh, I wouldn't say giddiness of these two guys, but the, just the the relief, the happiness, the uh, the unexpected thrill for Jim Cott and the long-awaited, really desired, tried to suppress his his want for this, Tony, uh, you know, I know him well, and he, he always would try to underplay it, but yeah, he really truly wanted it to, uh, you know, to validate uh, what would have been a phenomenal career if not for the bad knee and uh, for to see Tony get it. And I would say now what we should do with Tony is leave him alone because he is exhausted. <laughs> He's, uh, I mean, sure. I, I went through it. I have, he's got everybody, you know, he's got everybody pulling on him from different directions and he's so accommodating. He doesn't say no to anybody, but mm -hmm. uh, I can just see that uh, he's, he's just worn out by all of it. I mean, he loves it. He loves the yeah. attention. He loved what happened, but uh, he needs two weeks off. <laughs> he needs two weeks of not doing things and not having everybody come up to him and, uh, and, uh, but, uh, you know, Cott, I mean, is 83 and physically he's, uh, you know, he's 60. He's unbelievable. Uh, how sharp he is of mind and body. Tony's gotten beat up a little, you know, you, sure. know, you know, new knees and 
do other things and a lot of surgeries to fix stuff and uh, was never as healthy as a player as Cott was. You know, Cott played 25 years. If it hadn't been for the DH, Tony would have been done after the 1970, you know, after basically after the 1971 season. So, you know, physically two different guys and, uh, I, I, and, and, the, and the demands on Tony have been much greater than they were on Cott too. Good, you know, Cott kind of comes from three, four different teams. Sure. Well, three for sure, the White Sox and then the, and, and the Cardinals and the Twins. And uh, so it's a, it's a different situation. And God love Tony. He's my all, he was my favorite player. And I'm not lying when I was a fan in the 60s. And uh, he became my favorite guy when I covered the team in 74. He's such a character. And uh, I have, I, you know, have maintained a relationship with him and his family. And uh, I, I love the guy. And uh, he just goes so out of, out of his way to be nice to people. Yeah. That, uh, that, that was the fantastic part of this for me. Well, it's got to like, you know, this whole process has just got to be, you know, there's a lot of steps along the way. Probably you're right. Probably just exhausting in a good way. And I imagine, you know, when, when it's all done, then, you know, both these guys, you know, wake up today, wake up tomorrow. And then, then it's just this kind of like a contented, calm realization that they've joined this, this exclusive club. And now it's just kind of the, now they really have the opportunity to just kind of like probably really soak that, soak that in and just kind of reflect on it. I'm sure at this point, because, you know, when you're in the, when you're in it, when you're in induction weekend, it's probably very hectic. Everybody kind of wants a piece of you, like you're saying, not, not in a bad way, but in a, you know, in a way that probably leaves you a little bit overwhelmed to a degree. Yeah. And they uh, put them in a parade on uh, Saturday at six o'clock and uh, it was about 92 degrees. And uh, you know, you're, you're riding behind that and you're, you know, and then the next day they get you up early in the morning and get you hopping. And now you're up there on the stage, but it's another 90 degree day. And there's 30,000 people up there on the hill uh, waiting for your speech. And it's not a problem for Cot, but uh, a part of Tony's uh, exhaustion right now is he was so damn nervous about talking to that many people. I know I, this is my opinion, but, they tried to get Tony, you know, a lot of people tried to get Tony to make a speech. And my idea would have been write down the 10 names you don't want to forget and just go. Cause uh, you know, to, to have Tony follow what would be a written out speech is just not his, uh, not his deal. And he yeah. obviously, uh, he had to come back, back to things and say things. And he did a, you know, he did a, a a good enough job but i think if we would have just let tony go become tony and say his uh you know just go making sure he mentioned the people he wanted to mention it might have been a little better uh it's speech for him and a little better approach from him because here's here's what i can tell people about him you know he's still got the He's still got that strong, strong accent 60 years later. Obviously, people start. Well, he is a, one of the most observant guys I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. He always he sees everything that's going on. Okay, around here, he sees something happening over here. He sees something happening over here. And he, he can make little observations about it and what's going on at the ballpark and stuff like that. He's extremely observant. And... uh 
you know, if you're, if you're talking to them one-on-one, you, you realize that. And, uh, and, uh, you know, that's obviously his game is to uh, talk to you one-on-one and meet people like that and small groups. And this was a little different challenge for him. And, and he did it, he did as well as he could. And, uh, you know, he certainly, as I ended up writing, he certainly, uh, made his love of Minnesota and we are home clear in that speech he wanted to make that clear that uh, minnesota is home and it certainly is that for him mgm wine and spirits is the choice for savings service and a great selection of spirits pre-mixed cocktails wines and of course ice cold beers and hard seltzers with over 30 locations throughout the twin cities and beyond there's an mgm near you head to mgmwineandspirits.com to find a convenient location in your area get social follow mgm on facebook and instagram for all the latest news and trends make great moments with mgm wine and spirits your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years save time save money shop mgm how was the uh how the travels with sharkman and i enjoyed reading about them but obviously he is a mutual friend of ours and um how how was the how was the adventure well, it was kind of a, you know, I was not, uh, I, 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 you know, the start, start this was just a, something I wanted to do. It yes. wasn't, a, wasn't a Star Tribune assignment. So I was uh, trying to figure out at, at the prices in Cooperstown, there was no way that uh, I could have, I could afford to go stay in, uh, as I, as I pointed out, the hotel I stayed in. Uh, when I was there in February, you could have filmed the shiny in there <laughs> right. and, and they wanted 800 a night with a three month with a three day guarantee, uh, 2,400 plus taxes. So, uh, we weren't going to do that. So then I started thinking, and I had talked to, uh, Sharkman about, uh, and my wife and I were considering a drive through Canada to come down there and that didn't work out, but we, I told them that. We spent a couple of days in Toronto, but that didn't work out. But uh, he had kind of cleared the weekend ahead of time. So I said, what the heck? I'll fly to Toronto and, uh, you know, it'll be fun traveling with Sharkman, who's an interesting character, as we both know. And it was, it worked out great. It's, uh, he, you know, he could drive a little slower in the rain. I would say that. that was <laughs> interesting. Bit of a bit impatient. He's not the kind of guy oh. that's gonna. He's not the kind of guy that's gonna flip the finger at at a driver because he's too smart for that. But he will cast some aspersions on their uh, on their uh, driving uh, skills <laughs> if they yeah, if they ease ahead of him. But it, yeah, it was fun and they he, he really helped me out a lot and we had a great time and I got to have uh, dinner with uh, boxing Bob Elliott. One of my oh yeah. Friends friends who's uh you know lives up in toronto and i introduced i had i had sharkman meet him and uh uh years ago and they become buddies and uh, then uh they, utica i got this hook up with rob fowler my old running the late great bob fowler's dad who, who started the ball club up there in utica in 1984 and uh and uh, 1984 yeah and was a he and i broke curfew uh, more than a few hundred times when we covered the twins together in the 70s he was a really good friend of mine got als and died and and then uh, we got the cooper sound for a couple of days twins had a great bash on saturday night just if you wanted to see people uh big turnout for the uh for the like the official twins party mm-hmm 
for, for cotton oliva. So it was, it was much worth it. That's for sure. Let's move on a little bit here. It was a great, sounds like a great weekend. Great, you know, great for Minnesota, great for the twins. Um, at the same time that was going on, the twins resumed play in the second half of their season. A lot has happened already. I mean, they have, you know, two, two good wins over Detroit. Um, Byron Buxton didn't play in either one. Now he's getting injections, like platelet rich injections, trying to get him kind of back into health or however it's going to go for the rest of the year. And there's talk of surgery, uh, maybe in the off season already. Miguel Sano is back up now. Um, I don't know. It's, it feels like uh, the news is, is coming in, in waves. Um, what would you, uh, the Buxton stuff that they're saying, he's probably going to play this week. It's more of a, you know, kind of get him ready kind of stuff. They're probably lucky to get two wins without him and two pretty convincing ones at that. But what, what's your, what's kind of your take on, you know, Buxton and Sano kind of are, are always, are always going to be linked in my mind, even though they're two completely different players. Obviously they're just kind of, they represent this era of kind of hope potential and here they kind of both are again we don't know exactly what Sano's role will be now that he's back and and healthy and, and Buxton trying to get back to being healthy again well, what should we expect from these guys in the last 66 games well I wasn't around uh but uh how uh how did we uh treat it that uh we find out that they let Buxton play in the All-Star game knowing he was going to be injected the next day with the platelet. I know he wanted to play in the game, but uh, uh, if they, if that isn't uh, coddling a player, I don't know what is uh, to, to, the, to the betterment of his own personal feelings more than to the betterment of the club. I mean... Uh, to me, it's uh, it's it's really uh, very questionable that, that that they would let him go out to the All Star game that instead of have that uh, injection on Monday or Sunday evening or yeah. something. But, I, I wasn't yeah. here either. I read a Rocco quote, basically to the effect of, "We wanted to let him play in the All Star game, so that's a big deal for a player." But you're right; that was the first question I had because I wasn't paying close of attention either. So when I just the first I knew about it was when I saw Buxton didn't play Saturday. I was like, Hmm, why didn't he play? So I started investigating, but I did see that Rocco quote to that effect. Yeah. Uh, they go in, uh, you know, the fact that they went in and beat the hell out of Detroit two times kind of takes the steam out of, uh, any, uh, you know, the, the beat questioning this strategy, they got away with it. I would yeah. say yeah. They, they got away with it, but it's certainly questionable that uh, they decided to let him fly out to LA and play in a game and start in the game. And then knowing that they were going to fly him back and have him injected on, uh, I, I think it was, here. was it here or was it out in LA? Or I think something? it was out in LA. I think it was out in LA. Yeah. But they, so they had him injected. I'm sure he flew back on some private plane. So it's not like that's a, sure. You know, big deal too but uh yeah it was just it was kind of i mean it just kind of the whole way of twins doing business now is just a little puzzling at times and that was another one of the puzzles that's for sure it's going to be interesting uh now that Sano's uh back he was he he it, it, what he hit three fifty or something in St. Paul, but yeah. he also he also had a game on Saturday night when he struck out four times, or Friday night when he struck out four times. So uh, we'll see. I mean, God Almighty, he's hitting ninety three, right? He's hitting ninety three. Is yeah. he returned? Is that right? Ninety three. 
That's, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's it's it's ridiculous. It's a very short but, batting average. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, if he's, I think we'll see a real sudden decision here, because if if he if he comes back and can't catch up with a ninety four mile an hour fastball at the letters and and can't you know can't avoid striking out half the time, then okay, this is it. This is the last gasp for him and the Twins. But I think they had to give him a last gasp. Uh, uh, and the fact that, uh, you know, they, you know, Celestino, you like having him around, especially when Buxton's getting injected in the knee. But I guess they decided that they're going to let Nick Gordon play the out of center field uh, on the days that, uh, that Buxton doesn't. And uh, that'll give him a chance to have uh, Snow on the team. But where he's going to play, I have no idea. I guess he can DH some of the time. They won't have Sanchez DH now, so I guess Snow yeah. could DH some of the time. Probably see him at first base some of the time. Uh, but now Kepler's, do we know if Kepler's healthy or not? He I haven't seen what the update on that is. But yeah, I'm really curious what's going to happen. Who's going to play the outfield? That just does seem like a Well, it seems question. like Kiro, Kirilov's going to have to go play the outfield now. And, uh, and that's... You know, that not his best position. He's a he's a he's a below average outfielder. He's above average, or he's at least a very good average first baseman. But he's he's an outfielder now. It's it's it is going to be uh, really interesting. What happens to become what? Where's Arise get his bats now? You know, yeah. he, I guess does he keep playing first and Snow DHs or does Snow just Snow's not a guy, Mike, that's going to hit if you let him sit around for three days. Right. He's got to be playing to have any chance. So, and then, you know, what happens to the Miranda kid who can hit? And, right. You know, as a god-awful first baseman and, and a semi-awful third baseman, but he can hit. And uh, I don't know. I, I think they'd like to move Miguel uh before the august 2 deadline but they didn't they just didn't want to give them away dfam or something and they had to make their move so good luck to all parties concerned uh he uh you know it's it he looks like he's in pretty good shape by his standards at least when yeah. i saw him in his first game over in st paul he looks like he's i don't think he's over 280 okay maybe okay. You know, which is for him is, you know, 278 is about the minimum that you're going to see out of him. So uh, I guess we'll find out, but it won't take long to find out. I think if he's played enough, if he gets up here, he plays a week, doesn't, and looks like the same helpless fellow that he was earlier in the season. Yeah. Then, then you do what you got to do and try to move him. Yeah. And they're not going to get anything for him. You're no. not going to picture or anything because he you know his option for next year is 14 million yeah nobody's taking that so anyway i just the thing about him that's crazy to me is that i you know not that i had forgotten him or i obviously knew that he was rehabbing this injury still but like he was he he went from like you know integral middle of the order piece to like out of sight out of mind this year so fast for me you know and it's just, it just was just kind of striking how how little i was even you know 
anticipating or wondering about his eventual return. Like it didn't, it just didn't even matter to me. And that's, that kind of says more about him than anything. I think just the, you know, he was so out of sight, out of mind for most of this year. And uh, by the way, they went out of their way not to mention him. Hmm. Uh, you know, we would, uh, I'd be in there a few times when the media was quizzing Rocco before the game on various injuries and none of us brought up Sano and Rocco didn't bring up Sano. Okay. And then finally, apparently when he got finally brought up in Detroit on, uh, you know, over the weekend, he was uh, evasive and said, oh, I will we'll have some information on that later. So it's not like, Oh boy, we can't wait to get uh, Miguel back. Uh, they, uh, they, uh, they went out of their way to ignore the fact that he was re, you know, do, I mean, obviously they took as long a time as possible <laughs> right. for it. to. This was a minor meniscus surgery. Now he's a huge man, obviously, but that's not a, uh, what, it's like a four to six week injury months. usually, right? Yeah. If you do the that's surgery, not a three that's not no. a three month recovery. So they were not in any hurry to get him back. And really the fear is that he's Chris Davis, that yeah. you know, the Baltimore guy that just, there's just the modern velocity and the, the modern approach where you never see the same picture three times, all the things that now go into making hitter more hitting more complicated. Uh, and and having a better idea what he can hit than they've ever had uh, has has just too much for him, and he's he's cooked. So we'll find out. Now Davis, I had uh, a friend of mine covers the Orioles, and I asked him about yeah. it to make that comparison. He said one of Davis's problems was that he never got a cheap hit because of the shift. Oh, you know, because sure. he's a left-handed hitter. Yeah. It drove him insane that he would hit a one hop line drive that always went over the second baseman's head. You know, yeah, the guy would field out in the grass on one hop and throw on the first base. Sure. And he just got, you know, all of a sudden, instead of hitting 230, he's hitting 170. And it just got drove him nuts, you know, and then he was completely helpless. And, uh, I, Miguel has Miguel doesn't have to beat the shift that much. I mean, the, the right-handed hitters, the, the shift is half as a, yeah. you know, half as much an obstacle, or, or a third as much an obstacle as it is for right-handed hitters. I mean, what right-handed hitters, it's thirty percent as difficult as it is for uh, left-handed hitters because it's so much easier to shift the second base. I mean, you can't shift, you can't put the shout shortstop out on the outfield grass because he can't make the throw but you can put the second baseman 50 60 feet out on the outfield grass and take away those hits so anyway yeah no it's uh it will be interesting twins start a series in in milwaukee today um and a couple off days this week it's been a we- it's a weird start to the second half schedule and teams are finally yeah. catching Teams are finally catching up to them in terms of games, but they didn't play till Saturday. Then they've got today, or they had they had Monday and Thursday off. And this week. Thursday off this week. That's why they sent Smeltzer out there using four starters, and uh, the, you know, for for a team that started using six when the year started to yeah. have him 
you're four and they're going, you're going out to play a San Diego team that's really struggling too. I mean, they were, you know, they were flying high. And now you look at their lineup, it looks like half their guys are hurt and, uh, and uh, they're, they got beat, but somebody was in Detroit to beat a hoop. Somebody beat them 12 to four last night. It's okay. Good. So, uh, they're struggling too. So maybe the, maybe my dire predictions about the twins won't be so bad because tonight Milwaukee with this great pitching is starting some rookie for his second ever appearance. Huh. And then, and then you get Corbin Burns on, uh, on uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Don't forget about that one. But uh, anyway, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what the, uh, you know, is what, what becomes of these uh, starters that they're running out there? Sonny Gray gave him a good game, and uh, uh-huh. only Joe Ryan was pretty good. <clears throat> and Joe Ryan was pretty good, and uh, so now, uh, now you get to see, now you get to see the other part of it. But I still, deep in my heart, do not think they have the starting pitching or the relief pitching to, uh, you know, they could win the division if the White Sox keep screwing around. But uh, I, uh, I just don't see how this pitching staff gets to the finish line but what the heck it's baseball I like their sometimes lineup. You know. like the lineup yeah you, got, you know the shortstop's a superstar really oh, yeah. he's a great player and uh, i guess we kind of lose sight of that one or some of us including me lose sight of that when we start worrying about everything else that guy is really an addition man yeah <clears throat> Yeah, he is. Well, and they got that division lead back to three and a half real quick. Yeah. It was just, you know, Cleveland lost a couple. Chicago, I think, was 500 since the break. It's just no one's going to run away with that thing. And plus, you got to remember, too, they and they play Cleveland and Chicago 17 times combined starting September 2nd or something for the rest through the rest of the season. So this thing's going to go deep into September. I, I just don't imagine anybody's going to go too far ahead or too far behind. And those 17 games are going to probably tell you a, a big part of the story at, at some point so we'll we'll see about that um patrick it's almost viking season i know you don't want it to be i know you don't care but uh, i see i see in startribune.com vikings preview questions that so we got we're talking about camp starting it's the first i think the first practice is tomorrow and the first one yeah. open to the fans is uh, over the weekend it's a uh, it's not a long off season in the nfl they, they do a good job of kind of you know, being, they do a good job being away when they can be missed. And then they, they get everybody back and excited about things. And it's just late July, but they're going to be, uh, they're going to be dominating things again as, as soon as we can, uh, as soon as we know it. Oh yeah. I mean, it is, it is no, it is amazing that uh, when you consider five or six years ago, you were wondering about concussions and what was going to become a football. And uh, you looked at uh, high schools that, you know, suburban high schools that, used to have 200 kids playing football and now got 80 and you always start wondering about the future of football. And then, then along comes the pandemic and everything else. And uh, we start watching more TV than we've ever watched. And the games, the NFL is bigger right now than it's ever been in history. And the margin between the NFL and every other sport is probably greater than it's ever been. I mean, the, the, if, if, you, if you turn on just a, just a, or you look at ESPN.com and you turn on that that does not 
allegedly dedicated to the NFL, that it's just, okay, this is page one. This is what we're emphasizing today. It's, uh, it's phenomenal how uh, popular it is with uh, America. I don't know. <clears throat> I think it's, I think it kind of fits the uh, political profile of America now where everybody hates each other. And football, <laughs> is, football is the perfect sport for that. Perf- it is the perfect sport, sport for hatred. And, uh, you know, a violent game uh, with, uh, you know, uh, violence, violent people on and off the field to some degree uh, running around. And uh, it's uh, I think it's it's we we have never been more football crazy than we are right now in this country. And uh, uh, the NFL, they get away with uh, they get away with murder financially. They still have the worst union in sports, uh, you know, that you don't have to guarantee contracts. And uh, they just uh, they own own the sports world. Uh, that, that's for sure. And uh, good luck to everyone who's going to be going out to Egan and trying to crank out a column that isn't some piece of crap from an eight minute interview with some guy that's got six other six other people <laughs> talking to him if you can do it the god cynic- love you congratulations the, you know the cynicism is it, i love i love this this is this is this is why we talk vikings we'll talk actual vikings at some point too when they start playing but you know i i had plenty of vikings talk over the weekend a lot of my relatives are still big Vikings fans, even though they've kind of scattered around the country, so they kind of want to know what's what's the you know got to talk sports with me, which I enjoy. I, I like talking sports, you know. I've, we that's what I do for a living, right? So we you know talking talking about Vikings, they want to know like what you know what do you think about the season? And I'm you know I'm saying you know honestly, like you know it wouldn't surprise me if they won nine or ten games and made the playoffs, but you know just kind of looking at everything, like they, I think the biggest thing that they're going to learn from this year is that they need to have a more honest reckoning about what they have on their roster. And that 2022 is probably going to tell Quasi and Kevin O'Connell that this roster needs more of a teardown than they've said yet. And maybe they already know that right now. And it's just year one and they're going to see how their new principles and their new, you know, magic applies to kind of a lot of the same holdovers like Kirk cousins, like a lot of these same, defensive guys and this kind of patchwork offensive line. But at some point, even if they don't want to call it a rebuild because they don't want to scare fans away, uh, they're going to have to have a more honest reckoning and an honest approach to fixing what, uh, what was left for them. Uh, they do have this advantage, the same advantage the Twins have, the division they're playing in, because the Packers are taking a step backward or two uh, now that they have uh, they, they got Aaron Rodgers back and they, he doesn't have anybody to throw to. Uh, they, you know, Devontae Adams was the most valuable player on that team. He, he'd get double teamed and still catch 12, and uh, they let him walk. I can't believe they did. And uh, he's got nobody to throw to. And uh, they, I don't think they're that good. Uh, so they're gonna, they're gonna come backwards, and the Bears and the Lions stink. So uh, yeah, I think that they, they, if you win, uh, you know, if you win ten, you win the division. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. So uh, I, I think that they do have that advantage. They get to play 
well, what, six of 17 games. 17. And they also only have to play uh, seven road games, right? Seven they, true road games. Yeah, they got eight the and then the one in London. London. Who are they yeah. playing? Who's, who's that game against? Uh, I can't remember. It was a Jacksonville or somebody. I don't know who it is. But, yeah. they, you know, they only have to play uh, seven road games. So that's a that's an advantage. And, uh, you know. But uh, use my line the next time you, the, your relatives are telling uh, you know, how much they love the Vikings. When somebody tells me they love the Vikings, I say that's because you've never met them. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Vikings are playing the Saints is who they're playing in the okay. so in Saints London. are giving yes. up a whole game. That's weird, isn't it? Man, alive. That town can't afford to be giving up Saints home games with everything going on down there as far as, uh, you know, the the corporate world down there basically yeah. abandoning them. So uh, that's that's weird. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Who, where would you rather play the Saints? In New Orleans <laughs> or in London? Exactly. So they got a lot of advantages going for them this year. So we'll see. But uh I really think the combination of Mensa and O'Connell is going to give us a a new level of BS that's going to drive me crazy. So uh, I might have to avoid it as much as I can because, you know, Zim Zim was the only ray of hope out there when he'd get the red rear end and start talking candidly. And uh, controlling the message is going to be a big, big, big part of this whole operation. Yes. Yes. What What do you work harder to avoid, the hockey tournament or the the training camp? Oh, I don't. The, the hockey tournament when used to be when we when we considered it this. Oh, you know, you had to come and write the same crap all every year about what a glorious thing it was and stuff like that. I mean, that's not requirement anymore. I don't mind the hockey tournament. I just uh, and. You know, if you go to the hockey tournament, you got a chance to talk to somebody and get an answer and write something decent and talk to somebody for 12 minutes. And, but the, the Viking thing has gotten just so difficult for those for those. If, if you're just dropping out and think you're going to get an interview with somebody, good luck. It's, right. uh, but it's that way in every sport now. I mean, they're all they're all the, the access is. Uh, the access has made life uh, much more difficult for people who are trying to cover beats. I'll say that. Uh, and I was talking to somebody about this. I was talking to actually Randy Shaver. Okay. Like uh, uh, they've lost a lot of veteran producers over there who are getting hired by the corporate world to produce content that they can, that instead of letting the media deliver their message you know they're trying to you know and they probably are learning this from sports if the vikings had their way everything you read about them would be on nfl.com and they're trained helpers at espn.com and other places you know the people they got in their pocket they you know the there's a the corporate world is trying to send out their own message without filtering it through actual objective sources and uh and that's probably in sports bigger than it's ever been. That's for sure. So, uh, and, and the Vikings are, you know, going to be one of the teams at the forefront of that. 
you're not going to get any, you're not going to get Kevin Connell to come in and by name say, yeah, our quarterback wasn't very good today. So anyway, yeah. it's a, it's a different world. That's for sure. It is a different world indeed. Um, well, Patrick, um, I think we'll pick up stuff next week, but we, uh, we talked about a lot already. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll let you get back to a, to a little bit of rest. I know you, uh, you had a long weekend and, uh, get to get back to a, a little bit of a, a normal routine, normal schedule. Good. Uh, good talking to you as always. Let's, to, let's do this again. Point out my disappointment, my disappointment that we weren't able to win the pre-professional championship of the world with the Aurora. But the good news is the Wilmer stingers are in first place. So maybe we can still win a pre-professional championship in the Northwoods league. So uh, something like that, the, the pre-professional championship, that, that sports club from Georgia was just too good for us. The, uh, the, uh, the, the, basically the, uh, the, 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 the academy, the soccer academy from Georgia defeated us for the uh, pre-professional championship, but it didn't prevent 6,000 people from being there. So no, it didn't, didn't prevent the Aurora from having their welcome to Minnesota, Minnesota sports moment, which is you go undefeated until the final game. And then yes, that was, that was perfect. That's uh, that is for sure. They, they become one of us. They are one of us in, in more ways than they could have ever been if they won that game. Yes. All right, Patrick. All right, sir. Appreciate it. Talk Take care. We'll see you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay,